Good morning to everybody. Great to see everybody this morning. Great to be together. You know what? It's almost spring, right? Oh, it's only January. It's still, it's almost spring. It's coming pretty soon. Great to be together. Great to see the beautiful blue skies this morning. If you're visiting with us, you are a special guest to us. You're a special blessing as well. And we hope that you'll take a moment to uh, fill out a visitor's card, let it just leave it on the seat or give it to one of our uh, elders or myself, and please uh, come back and be with us whenever you can. If you have any questions about anything you see us do or hear us say or teach, please ask us. We keep saying we just want to be the church we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And so we do hope you'll come back and be with us at every opportunity. I want us to continue the, the second part and I really broke this particular lesson into two parts. Don't let the devil win. That's important for us. The devil's out there all the time. I believe Mark was bringing that out in, in class in one way or another, or maybe a couple different ways this morning here in the auditorium. And something he read really caused me to stop and think. I had heard that before, but it really stopped and it caused me to stop and think, you know, what that man was, was foretelling back in 1965, Paul Harvey, he wrote that out as one of his, uh, and the rest of the story kind of broadcasts on radio that was all over the country at that time. You see it full, being fulfilled to a, to a more and more complete degree in our nation right now. The evil that is out there. And of course, the title of that particular broadcast was, if I were the devil, what would I do to overtake the United States of America, this country? And then he began laying things out. One by one, we see those particular things that Paul Harvey was suggesting at that time. Again, we're talking about almost 50 years ago. They're, they're coming to be, and see, I guess almost 60 years ago now, they're, they're coming to be. More and more of them have become reality in our nation. The, the devil is always active. He is our, literally, our adversary, our enemy. The word adversary means literally, literally they're one who stands against you. He's our, he's our enemy. He's our deadliest enemy. And he seeks yours and my destruction. Now how? Physical? Now he's not interested in physical destruction. He's interested in spiritual destruction. Eternal condemnation in hell. That's where he wants to lead us to. In 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 8, eight <coughs> excuse me, the apostle Peter wrote about this particular adversarial relationship. He said, be sober, be vigilant. In other words, wake up, always be alert, on guard, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, what does that word devour mean? Well, we'd say, okay, eat you up. We devour a meal when we're hungry. The idea there, though, is that roaring lion is going to kill you so he can eat you. He wants to destroy you. So he walks about like a roaring lion, and that's simply an illustration, a vivid mindset or imagery that we can relate to. We don't want to come upon a roaring lion on a, on a, 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 you know, a lonely trail someplace because we know we're going to be in peril at that point, in danger of our life. And that's where the devil, we need to understand, he is our enemy. He's always out there. He's always got that goal of being us, of leading us to destruction, 
eternally, spiritually, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How do we overcome that? How do we stand against that danger? Peter says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith. In other words, walk with God, knowing that the same offerings, uh, that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. His goal is to lead you into sin and because the wages of sin is death, pull you away from God and away from eternal bliss and reward in heaven. Again, he wants your soul's destruction for all of eternity. And the sad thing is, but the reality at the same time is, that a whole lot of folks are following his lead, either knowing what they're doing, knowing that they're living in sin, or they're being hoodwinked by the devil. They're being deceived. So Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and tell you now even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. In other words, they're living by the ways of the world, and that's what the devil wants. They're not following the ways of God. They're not walking by the Spirit, as Mark brought out in, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. If we're walking by the Spirit, then we're going to automatically not be walking with the devil, not walking in the ways of the world. And so James puts it this way in James chapter 4, verse 7. The only way to effectively resist and defeat the devil, the only way is to walk faithfully with God. And so James says, therefore, submit to God. In other words, walk with God, walk faithfully with him, follow his guidebook, resist the devil. If you're walking with God, you're going to be resisting the devil and he will flee from you. The devil will flee from you. There's no place, no, no place in the life of a person who is living faithfully with God for the devil to walk with him as well. Because the two are on exact opposite ends of the spectrum. The devil is evil, the author of wickedness. God is good, righteous, and the author of all kinds of righteousness. And so draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. If the closer we come to God, the less room there is for the devil in our lives. And as we walk with God, the devil's not going to be walking with us. Psalm 119, 105, again, how do we do that? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if we live by God's guidance, communicated to us in his word, then we're going to be walking with him and we're going to walk away from the devil. Important for us to understand. Now, as Christians, we need to focus now, we might say, well, everybody needs to focus. Yes, everybody does need to focus. But as Christians, particularly, we should be at the point where we recognize, I really understand the two different ways through life and the two different ultimate results. One is eternal condemnation in hell. The other one is eternal life in heaven. And so we need to focus, we need to make up our minds that with God's help, we will not, we will not let the devil win. Now people who are still living in the world, 
who have not yet become Christians, they haven't learned that lesson yet. Or if they've learned it, they just have not obeyed that lesson. But as Christians, we say, okay, I'm in Christ now. I have come to God through Jesus. I've been forgiven of my sins. But the devil still works on us. In fact, when a person becomes a Christian, he's probably going to start working on that individual harder than he was before because before he became a Christian, he had him. And now he has to work harder to get him back, to get him, pull him away from God. And so we have to make up our minds. We have to focus. Don't let the devil win. Don't let the devil win. Now, how do we do that? Well, we said, simply put, bottom line, we live by God's teachings. Okay, what lessons can we learn from the word of God to help us resist the devil and not let him win in that battle that he is waging with God for our souls? We need to resist the devil by staying active in good works. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, the apostle Paul talked about this. Now, first go back to Colossians chapter 3. The first two verses, if then you were raised with Christ, when were we raised with Christ? Romans 6 and verse 3 through 5, as we were buried with him in baptism and we came up, we were raised up out of that watery grave of baptism, forgiven, reborn, made new, saved. We were risen with Christ, Paul puts it that way, buried with him in the waters of baptism, risen from that watery grave, forgiven, reborn, made new, saved. So if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, our focus, make up our mind. Where is our focus in life? On God, ultimately in getting to heaven. And nothing really matters except getting to heaven. That needs to be our focus. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your minds, make up your mind again. Set your mind on things above and not on things in the earth. If the devil can just keep us focused on worldly things, worldly matters, then we're not going to be walking with God. How many times... Have you watched the news and you've seen the same thing over and over and over and over again, talking about the difficulties, the problems out there, the dangers, the conflicts, the wars, and so on, and it, you, you become almost numbed to it. And then you think, I just don't want to hear this anymore. And so you turn it off or you turn the channel. And then your mind starts to relax some. You start to think more positively. We need to make up our minds. We need to set our minds on things above and not on things on the earth, primarily. And then in, in Ephesians 2 and verse 10, right after Paul has said that we are saved by grace, not by works, not of works, less, you know, that we have done, that you know, we can boast about it. In the very next verse, verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if we focus on doing the good works that God has enabled us to do and set before us, 
gave us the abilities and the talents and the opportunities to perform, then we're going to be focused in a more positive and godly and spiritual direction in life. But if we're always distracted by the ways of the world, then we're going to have problems pursuing effectively and consistently and successfully those good works that God has prepared us for and prepared for us. In Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 13, Paul wrote, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself. Now think about that particular statement. Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. Who's that, own, who's that special people that are his own special people? Christians. And what characteristic does he bring out there about Christians? Zealous for good works. What a great word that word zeal is. Zealous, I'm, I want to be involved in good works. He goes on in the third chapter, and Titus is only three chapters long, and it's interesting how much space Paul, writing this particular letter to Titus, his co-worker, dedicates to emphasizing that we ought to be involved in good works as faithful, dedicated Christians. And so in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm, I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful. Now, the literal understanding of that word careful means full of care. In other words, again, focused, a mindset should be careful to maintain, keep on doing, pursuing good works. These things are good and profitable to men. And then a little later in chapter 3, he goes on and repeats that again. So three times in that, those three chapters, he emphasizes the good works that we ought to be involved in as Christians. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 13, Jesus talked about this. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt, is loses, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? I've talked about many, many times. I can't imagine how worthless a particular thing is, such as salt, when it loses its ability, its unique characteristics for whatever that thing is. And particularly, Jesus is talking about salt. Can you think anything salt is good for if, it, if it's no longer salty? If it no longer has that seasoning or, or preserving capability that God instilled within it? So he says, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Now, he's not talking literally about salt. He's just using that as an illustration. He says, you are supposed to be that seasoning influence as my followers on the world around you, on the people around you. Don't lose that seasoning ability, that seasoning characteristic of being my followers, Christians, in other words. It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. Well, what do we do with the light? We turn them on, right? We turn them on. The evening when the sun goes down, 
We walk into our home and it's dark. We turn lights on. And that's what Jesus says. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. It would be worthless at that point. Why would you go through that exercise? But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house, let your light so shine before men or before the people around you that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're supposed to be shining lights of God and Christ and Christianity. And people around us ought to be able to see that in us, those characteristics, those identities. In 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 11, Peter talks about it along this line. He says, Beloved, I, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, in other words, the ways of the world again, which war against the soul. See, those are the, those are the temptations the devil uses against us to war against our soul, to lead us away from godliness, tempt us with what looks like for the moment pleasant, even good things, but that's all deceptive. He's deceiving us. So abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, the unbelievers, in other words, that they may speak, that, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so Peter is saying what Jesus was saying. You're the, you're the salt of the earth. Be salty. Season. That you're, you're, through your influence, the people around you. You're the light of the world. Let your light so shine that they can see me. They can see my Father in heaven. They can see Christianity in you. Turn your lights on. Peter says, you need, you need to not be a part of the worldly lifestyle. You need to be a part of the Christian lifestyle. And then, through your example, on a consistent basis, even the unbelievers will have their mouths shut when they try to disrespect you or criticize you. They will be influenced by, you, by the good works that you are pursuing, that you are living by on a consistent basis. Now, another way that the scriptures teach us about how to not let the devil win is to talk to others about God. If we're focused in a positive way, then we're not going to be as susceptible to the devil's negative influence. How can we be focused in a positive way? Talk to people about God. When was the last time you invited somebody to services, to worship God with us here at Sunny Slope, to come to Bible class? When was the last time? It should be an ongoing just automatic for us. We meet somebody, hey, hope you'll come by and see us. Hope you'll come by and, and, and study with us, worship God with us. Jesus said in Matthew 28, beginning with verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age of the world. Amen. And also in Mark 16, 15 and 16, as Mark recorded that great commission, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Reach out to people with the gospel of Christ. It is God's message for salvation for everybody. 
As Paul put it in Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are you not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Are you not ashamed to be a Christian? Do you talk to people about the gospel of Christ? Do you talk to people about the church, about Christianity? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. God gave us that incredible message of salvation through Jesus Christ. That message is called the gospel of Christ, the message of salvation. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21, Paul wrote, for since in the wisdom of, the, of God, the world through wisdom, its own wisdom, did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You leave mankind on his own, he's, he's lost, basically. But God has said, I've given you a message to teach, to proclaim, to communicate in some way. And through that simple message, some people might think it's not sophisticated enough. It's not intellectual enough. But it is the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. We are to glorify God through our good works. We are to resist the devil and turn him away from people around us by teaching the message of Christianity to everybody we can. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, Paul said, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you get the recycling imagery there? Timothy, I taught you the gospel. Now you teach other men or people the gospel so that they can teach other people the gospel. Are you in that system? Are you in that cycle? Are you reaching out in some way with the gospel message? Now, what's another way we can resist the devil and not let him win in our lives? Lean on God's strength. There are going to be times when every single one of us is going to feel weak for one reason or another. Something's going to hit us. Something's going to have an, inf an effect upon us. And it's going to, to kind of weigh upon us. The devil wants to keep you from being seasoning salt and shining light. He wants to keep you from doing the good works that God has designed for you to be involved in. We need to stay focused. We need to lean upon God for his strength during those times. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, Paul wrote, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. He's talking to Timothy specifically there, but the principle is for us today as well. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How are we going to make it through this particular challenge in life, this particular downturn in whatever the situation might be that we're facing and dealing with? God's strength. God will guide us through it and God will strengthen us through it and he will see us through. Don't be afraid. God is more powerful than the devil. 1 John 4 and verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And then verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We don't need to fear 
what goes on in the world around us to the extent that we give up and we wring our hands and we throw up our hands and say, I, I can't do it. I don't know what's going to happen. God says, I, I'm there with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to see you through ultimately all the way to eternity in heaven. I'm going to be there with you and for you. And the power of God is, in, is found for us to a great extent in his word, in his word. Think about this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I use that by way of illustration in saying talk to people about the gospel, talk to people about Christianity, talk to people about God, about Christ, about their need for forgiveness, their need to come to him. Now think about this also. Lean on God, lean on him for your strength. The power is in the word of God, not in you. So don't think you have to do it all by yourself. Just teach the word. God's power is in that word. And then look also at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. When you feel like you're weak, you don't know how you're going to keep going, just lean on God for his strength. Ask him for an extra dose of that strength. For an extra dose. And then also, if you're too busy to serve God... And I've said many times for decades, if the only way that the devil can keep us ineffective as Christians is to keep us busy doing things that look to us on a surface level basis to be, well, good things. But they're not the most important things. If he can keep us away from church services saying, you know, I need to be with my kids out there in the soccer field. Or I, I need a day off to play golf. Or, you know, I've got this opportunity to go see this particular baseball team or football team or basketball team. And it, it happens to conflict with church services, but I, I need that time. If the only way he can keep us ineffective is to keep us busy, then he'll keep us busy. And we'll be thinking, well, I just don't have time. I, I, I don't have time to be at services. I, I, I've, I've got to do this and this and this and this and this. We are the busiest culture probably that the world, the history of the world has ever seen. And a whole lot of that busyness serves the devil and his keeping us away from the most important thing, and that is walking with God. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And he's just been talking about in that immediate context of scripture, the necessities of life. Seek first, though, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Stay focused. Stay purposeful. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8, for bodily exercise profits a little. He didn't say it has no profit at all. It's no good at all. He says it profits a little. But let's keep it in its right perspective. But godliness is profitable for all things and also having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Making sure that we're developing and maintaining our spiritual muscles 
is going to help us through life here and lead us to eternal life with God in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the Hebrews writer, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us lay aside those weights that are holding us down, pulling us back, hindering us, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, let's set all of that aside that is keeping us from being the strong Christians that we need to be and that God expects us to be, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When you look at an Olympic, an Olympic runner, whether he's running a 40-yard dash or whether he's running a marathon, you'll probably notice he's not carrying any extra weight. He has honed down his clothing to be the least weighty and wind resistant that he can because he doesn't want anything to keep him from being able to perform to his best and most effective level as he's running that race. Well, Take that as an illustration for how we ought to lay aside whatever might be weighing us down or hindering us in any way from running the race of Christianity and ultimately getting to the finish line where Jesus is holding the prize for us. We need to stay focused. We need to stay determined. And then also... So we've talked about don't let the devil win. How? Resist the devil by staying active in good works. Talk to others about God. Lean on God's strength when you feel weak. If you're too busy, don't let the devil get you too busy in your mind to be active in dedication and service and worship to God. And then finally... Just plain make up your mind. Make up your mind. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, when Joshua had led the nation of Israel in battle after battle after battle, and God had given them victory after victory after victory in possessing the promised land, the land that he had promised to their forefathers going all the way back to Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years prior, when they had come to that point where they possessed that land, Joshua called the people together. And he says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And then he laid out the example by, for, for himself or through himself and his family. He says, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you read the, the rest of that text, the people said, us too, we're going to serve the Lord. We've learned our lesson. Now, unfortunately, many years later, they, they forgot that lesson. But there was Joshua saying, make up your mind. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? Don't let the devil keep you ineffective through complacency. Make up your mind. Be determined and stay true to that determination. Isaiah, he talked about 
when God was before him and presented a challenge. In Isaiah 6 and verse 8, God speaking, I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah responded, Then I said, Here am I, send me, send me. Was Isaiah a perfect man? Obviously not. There are no perfect men. Not in any way outside of Christ. But even when we think about the most skilled, the most intellectual, the most successful in business or whatever the endeavor might be, we still have our flaws. But Isaiah said, here am I, send me, send me. And again, if we lean upon God for his strength, for his wisdom, for his guidance, we can do what God had wants us to do. Don't lose focus by getting caught up in the cares of the world. John wrote, the John the Apostle in 1 John 2, beginning with verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not in the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. In other words, lives forever. We get caught up, we get distracted by all the things that we see around us that are of the world, worldliness. And he says, don't love the world or the things in the world. And if you're all caught up in the ways of worldliness, he said, then, then you're not. The love of the Father is not in you. All of that stuff is going to lead you away from God. And the devil's behind all of that. And the world ultimately, if that's where your main focus in life is, it's destruction because this world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever, can look forward to eternal life with him in heaven. To not do what you know you ought to do, James says that's sin. To him who knows to do good or what is right to do, one translation says, and does not do it, it is to him it is sin. Revelation 3 and verse 16 Hopefully, prayerfully, this does not apply to us, any one of us, but we need to, every one of us examine ourselves on an ongoing basis to see if it does. Jesus said, he's talking to a congregation of the Lord's church, and he says, so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Pray, God, that we never let that description apply to us accurately. Don't let the devil beat you with fear or complacency or by making you think you're too busy. And don't make God have to do something that we might consider drastic to get us going in the right direction. I think about the church in Jerusalem in its early years. In chapter eight, Acts chapter eight, the first four verses, I thought often 
Was this a situation that God allowed to take place to give the church a jump start to get to doing what God wanted them to do in the first place? And that was to spread the gospel everywhere. I've wondered about that. Now Saul was consenting to his death, that is Stephen's death, the first recorded Christian martyr in scripture. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles stayed back their home base in Jerusalem, but a whole lot of the rest of the Christians, they started moving to other areas, Judea and Samaria. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, persecuted it, hunted down Christians, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now here's the key. Therefore, those who were scattered, those Christians who left town and went to other areas, they didn't go into hiding They went everywhere preaching the word, and the church spread. Don't make God have to look for some drastic measure to get you off of dead center from time to time. Be active, stay active, be involved. Do not, do not, do not let the devil win. You're not talking about losing a game. You're talking about losing your soul. Do not let the devil win. If you have not yet been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, what is holding you back? The devil doesn't offer you anything but condemnation. Step forward, let us baptize you into Christ. If you need to study about it some more, Step forward or talk to us privately. Tell us, I, I need to study about this. If you need to be renewed in your dedication and faithfulness, seeking forgiveness, then step forward. Let us pray together or talk with us privately. But don't let the devil win. God gives you the victory if you'll walk with him. If you need to come, come right now as we stand and sing.